Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to another episode of Deen Talk with me, Jahan, joined by our co-host, Malana Abu Khalid. And this week, we're continuing with our Muslim Entrepreneur Series and what a guest we have for you today. Brother Kamal Ali, who created My Salama and before this founded HajSafe, which creates Hajj products that allow you to focus on Hajj with safety and security at the heart of it, such as the world's first anti-theft Ihram belt. Both products, HajSafe and My Salama, are designed to help with pillars of our faith, and it's inspirational that these products have been created to help people in various stages of their journey in Islam. For those who've been living under a rock and have not heard of these products before, My Salama is the world's first and best, in my opinion, interactive prayer mat designed to help children and more recently adult and reverts learn practically to read Salah. The patented prayer mat has even travelled with the Welsh football team to Qatar, and I hope it's a good luck charm for them because I think they need it at, the moment, at this moment in time. Uh, of course, you know, the business has grown globally in so many languages in over 20 countries with a reach of over 70 million, where Brother Kamal leads the way in the field, which obviously requires a lot of time, patience and drive. So we'd like to first thank him on behalf of all of us listening today for taking the time out to inspire us all with his journey, wisdom and advice, inshallah. Before we dive into Brother Kamal's journey, his vision, I wanted to touch upon Muslim entrepreneurship in general. The Prophet wasallam taught us everything from how to get up in the morning to how to sleep at night and in between that he told us how to act with people, our akhlaq, our adab and within that the rules of trade as well. The Quran itself encourages lawful business and many of the Sahaba anhum, were involved in trade, were entrepreneurs of their time and this continues to today where Muslims strive to change the world through commerce. Throughout Islamic history the Muslim Ummah has been scattered with examples of illuminous entrepreneurs and pioneers in their field. From Al-Zahrawi creating the, the surgical medical reference used across the globe for over 500 years to the coffee that gets you through these bitter air winter mornings and even the algebra you hated to learn in school. Muslims are encouraged to chase Ithqan, to pursue excellence in everything we put our hands to and to see Brother Kamala living the example of this with us today gives us a sense of pride in the Ummah that we are still pursuing the excellence that our forefathers laid out for us. So for those that do not know Brother Kamal, he's a product designer by trade, he's been a teacher and is a man of many talents, mashallah. We'll get into that all in good time, inshallah. For now, Brother Kamal, let's start from the beginning. Um, if you'd like to introduce yourself and take us back to your childhood and growing up in Wales and how you got into product design. Assalamualaikum. Thank you for inviting me onto your onto your show. Um, it's truly an honor to come and speak and share my journey with you guys and, and your, your followers. Um, yeah, so uh, I was born in Bangladesh. Um, I was a, a baby when, when we uh, moved to the UK. Uh, we lived in London um, for the first eight years of my life. Um, it's really strange that I have almost, almost no memory of that period. Um, very few scattered memory um, uh, of, from, from living in London. But really my memory started from when we moved to Wales. And I remember the, the day we moved into our, our new home, um, in Wales and I remember it so clearly I remember the first day I went to school I remember the first friend I made, uh, made and I'm still friends with him um, and he happened to be somebody um, from the same uh, country the same village um, which is really really uh, quite amazing and he was the first person that I saw in the school uh, and we're still friends to, to, to this day um, you know some 30, 30 years on um, so uh, my memory of, um, you know, of Wales is positive, very, very positive, alhamdulillah. Um, I had a good upbringing, good childhood. Uh, my parents were very, um, very easygoing. 
Um, you know, they were very loving parents. Uh, still are my mum, my mum. Unfortunately, my father isn't with us anymore, but my mother is still here. And um, I still get a phone call. <laughs> I still get invited to come and eat. Make sure you come and eat. You know, I'm still, uh, you know, get a phone call um, when my wife's visiting her family. Uh, when you come and stay? <laughs> and, and are you okay? Have you eaten? So, alhamdulillah, it's, uh, it's amazing. What made you move to Wales, brother? Come up. My father moved, so um, basically um, my older sister got married and she, her husband was in Newport in Wales. And um, back then I didn't know, but a lot of people from the same village as my father, as us, uh, were living in Newport. So he felt comfortable moving to Wales um, because obviously his daughter's here now and a lot of people from, from the village uh, were are here so um it was like moving into uh, a neighborhood that we knew quite a few people already um it just just i think it just made it a lot more nice for them as well so. yeah i know the feeling i um i'm from sunderland and um m- most of the community are from the same village so it's like you move from the village in bangladesh to the village in the UK. <laughs> so, yeah, I um, understand your father's sentiments, mashallah. But I guess it's a good thing and a bad thing um, sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. usually a good thing, yeah. So, uh, so sorry, Kamal. Just to um, ask you, so obviously, like you like you said, first eight years, then move. So where did product, product design come into it all? Or did, were you always inspired by entrepreneurs at that age? Or I think, um, I think growing up, um, you know, I, I saw um, um, my father uh, worked. Um, he worked in a factory. Um, but most of my um, teenage years, he had retired by then. So I saw him almost every day. But my fa- my brother, uh, my oldest brother, he's a true entrepreneur. And he did one business after another after another. And um, he was always great at you know, he still is to this day um, an entrepreneur. He's still setting up businesses and he's still running businesses. Um, there have been lots of ups and downs in his life. Um, but I think I didn't really start off wanting to be an entrepreneur. Um, I did. I struggled in school um, academically. Academically, I struggled in school. and um, But I still did okay. I, I, I worked extremely hard to get the GCSEs that I got. Um, and, um, but I realized when I went to university, um, I realized that, um, I, I did a test and they found out that I was dyslexic and, um, everything made sense. Like why I struggled reading, why I struggled with spelling. And, um, it made me realize that I, the struggle wasn't because I, I was, wasn't intelligent. It was because of, of, of. The, the dyslexia that I had, but it also made me realize actually um, the reason why I was creative and why I loved creativity was because of my dyslexia. And I could see stuff, um, and I still can to this day. I can I I can look at something, and my my perspective of it is completely different to somebody else. Um, and the way I um, try to solve problems, um, you know, I I love. Um, to be honest, I love problems. I, I people from you know lots of entrepreneurs that I work with that I that are in this same industry. Um, they may be developing a new product, and they'll ask me, you know, can I get your opinion on this? And um, 
I love that initial, you know, the initial part of a, of a development of a product. I love and just trying to understand how it can benefit, you know, the user, how it can be developed to, so it's, you know, super high quality, you know, super useful for the person who's going to be using it. And then now with the skills that I've built in terms of market placements, in terms of uh, making sure the product costing is done properly, you can, you can include a million things in the product, but then that product will become a million pounds and nobody's going to pay a million, you know? So you've got to be really careful to what you include within your product um, so that it fulfills the market that you want to, to reach. So, yeah, I've always, I've always loved creativity and I get that from my mum. My, my mother was always creative uh, from, from, a, uh, from, you know, uh, since she came to the UK or even probably since her childhood. And, um, and I, I was around my mum and I think I took that, took that creativity from her, to be honest. So for your um, career-wise, um, just to get an insight into your beginning stages with the Kamal, did you initially start off with your own businesses or were you working for other people and then sort of decided, you know what, well, I want to do my own thing? Yeah, uh, so in terms of, yeah, in terms of career, um, so I did, I did an a undergraduate okay. um, in design and then I went on to, uh, I took a year out and um, I did a lot of volunteer work. So I, I went and volunteered in my local community where I'm from. It's considered a deprived community. And it was, an, it was a massive insight into, you know, the struggles people go through, uh, young, old. Um, and it was really, it was really tough to see, but it was really important, I think, for me to see that. Um, and I did about six months volunteer work. And then I went on to, uh, I guess, my first business where I, did, I opened up um, a, um, a takeaway. So I followed my uh, roots. <laughs> um, I kind of, um, it's in our blood, isn't it, to have a, have a food takeaway. So, so I, we, we, um, I opened up with my family, opened up um, a um, fried chicken um, place. Um, and it had um, it had other things like um, tandoori. Um, had, we had a tandoori, and we did all the tandoori dishes. So, um, and it was really good. It was really. It was the first time I um, understood about kind of managing money and um, stuff. And then you know, obviously the whole setup, uh, understanding about um, the um, rules around food safety. So I learned a lot. But it was obviously wasn't my passion. Um, I pretty much did it um, to support my family. Um, to help them set up. And um, I, after this, I went on to a, a postgraduate degree, a master's in product design. And the master's in product design was amazing. Um, but the skill I, I got from setting up that business was was basically used in the master's because uh, the master's in, uh, required me to um, develop an idea, prototype, design, develop, go through the whole process. And they also wanted me to go through the manufacturing process. So I traveled to China and I took my ideas to China, went, went and worked with a factory over there. I stayed there for about two months. Um, and um, I worked with a factory. We, I, my, the product that I was developing was, was um, high-performance backpacks. Um, and um, so, uh, yeah, I developed that. We had, I went through the whole manufacturing process. Then I went through the process of developing the brand, um, the website, and then sales. So looking at how this product could go into the market and be sold. It's a huge market, the backpack industry. You're dealing with North Face and Berghaus. And uh, the company I developed at that time was called Conscious 7. And, um, and 
you know, it was great to, to go through that whole process. Um, it didn't really go anywhere. We, we got, I got everything done. I got my master's. Um, they were really impressed with what I had achieved. Um, and I kind of did a, almost 360. Uh, I went and went on to a PGCE and I became a teacher. So I did a one year PGCE and I went and became a teacher. And again, it was kind of linking on to linking on from what I had done. So when I did that six months voluntary work, I did teaching. I taught some of the youth some skills, some some life skills that they can then use, uh, hopefully, hopefully use. And I enjoyed teaching. And then after the, um, so when I went on to the PGCE, it was um, it was quite it wasn't easy. Teaching is so hard, but it was it was it was something that I was interested in. And I always say, like, if you do anything in life, always do it because you're interested in it or you enjoy it or you like it. Because if you do that, then any any kind of job, any kind of task becomes um, not easy, but it doesn't become difficult. You know, it becomes enjoyable, hopefully, inshallah. And I'd really thoroughly enjoyed my PGCE. I moved to Birmingham and I got my NQT in Birmingham and I lived there for about two years. Got married in between that and um, we went to I uh, lived there and that's when the first idea that's when the idea for hash safe came um and the idea for hash safe was i remember the day very clearly i got a phone call from my friend and um he phoned me and straight away he was like kamal my my relative in in hajj um i think he was doing umrah um just you know had their bag cut everything he's lost everything his passport money um is there a solution for this? You know, can we come up with a solution for this? And I was like, oh, you know, I was like, oh my God, you know, what's going on? Um, and, I, and I always tell, whenever I tell this story, I always say, look, um, we don't judge the person, what they're doing. You know, it doesn't matter. It's the most religious place in the world and there's theft happening. You know, it, it, it could, ha- you know, it, it, it happens anywhere and everywhere, unfortunately, even in one of the most religious places in the world. And we don't, we don't judge that um but what we try what, we, what i tried to do is come up with a solution for it but um when i looked into the into this this first time i looked into the muslim industry right so it's the first time i'm going into a muslim shop i've since that age i've never been into a muslim shop and i'm looking online on uh, for, uh, for for the muslim, you know products where the pro- where this potentially my idea could be sold and i was so shocked i was so shocked because you know um Brother Jahan, you, you started off by saying Muslims were the pioneers of so much and we strived for excellence. And I didn't see excellence. I was shocked. I really didn't see excellence. I saw a, a piece of cloth um, that had a belt buckle and a zip for a pocket. And that was the ihram belt that they were selling to people to take to Hajj. And I'm thinking... They're going on one of the, you know, one of the toughest journeys probably in their lives. One of the most, you know, an experience that they're going to want to remember for the rest of their lives. Everybody at that time has, you know, some form of an expensive phone, if not a smartphone. It was an expensive phone. You know, they had mobile phones. Everyone's going to take cash with them, lots of money. And you're giving them a piece of cloth with a zip on it. And that's what they, what's, they're supposed to be like carrying all their valuable belongings in. And I thought, you know, forget creating an anti-theft um, belt. I wanted to create a really good quality belt that they people can hold their belongings, their money, their keys, you know, their phones, um, and 
feel they're safe, feel that they're safe, that it's not going to break on them. Um, and um, yeah, I went on a bit of a mission, to be honest, and um, to to develop this product. I was working full time as a teacher. Um, but alhamdulillah, um, it's quite amazing because I left teaching in Birmingham. I came back to Wales. Uh, my father wasn't very well at that time. Um, so I made it, I, I was never going forever anyway. I always said to my dad, I'm going to go there, get my NQT, I'm going to come back. So we came back and we just, we made the decision, me and my wife made the decision that we were going to go to Hajj. So 2010, we're going to go to Hajj. And alhamdulillah, I don't know how, I even can't even remember how it happened. The sample for the first Hajj safe product, the anti-theft bell, was ready. And it was ready for me to take the hatch. It was amazing. I was like, so literally it was, um, and I had no ambitions of going to production with this. I was just having fun making this and coming up with product ideas and solutions. So here I was, I had this belt. I had all my belongings in there, my money, my phone, my keys, um, um, lots of other things, actually. You know, things just start adding up, don't they, when you start putting it into pockets. So I um, I had this belt and I put it on the day I left and I didn't take it off until I came back. And when I came back from Hajj, I mean, the experience of Hajj is another story. Um, it was one of the, you know, the best things that we've done ever. Um, and we're so glad we did it at that time. Um, but when I came back, I, I, I said to myself, and, you know, Here's a product that I, you know, I've taken to had, and how many blessings would it have received? Um, and um, when I came back, I said, this was so useful for me. I'm sure it's going to be useful for other people going on this journey. And I said, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do the first production. Uh, the first production, I had £5,000, um, just over £5,000. And um, the exchange rate for the dollar exchange rate was amazing back then. <laughs> and uh, it isn't now, but it was amazing back then. And uh, I bought a thousand products and they literally arrived two weeks before Hajj. Me and my friend. So this is the friend that I met my first day in school, primary school, right? <laughs> Me and that friend um, packed our car with this product. And went around um, all of these cities, Birmingham, London. We went to Bolton, actually, and Blackburn. And we went to all the different Islamic shops. And we showed them the product. We told them what the wholesale price was. And we making it up as we're going along, really, to be honest. And um, they were buying these products. They were like, I'll have 10, I'll have 20, I'll have 100. And then they put it on their shelves. And they were selling out. And I had a phone call. It's like, I sold out. I didn't do anything. I didn't tell the people, but they sold out. Uh, can we have more? And within two weeks, alhamdulillah, we sold a thousand products. And uh, that was the start of uh, my journey with Hatchsafe. So alhamdulillah. Was that your first actual business idea that you put into place? Then Pretty much. I mean, I, I mean the, 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 the business we did with, um, it was called Simply Bahar, the uh, to take, take, take away. That was the first business that I really had um, kind of, um, went for the whole process and there was lots of money involved. So I had a good idea, but uh, this was the first business I did on my own. Okay. It's interesting that you talk about the takeaway business because as Bengalis, most people work in that industry or, you know, they set up their own business 
they go work for that family business. And what tends to happen is you get sucked into that business. Mm-hmm. Then you don't think about doing your own. You just carry on working for somebody else or working for your dad or working for your uncle or whatever. And that just mm-hmm. becomes like your daily life of bread and butter. So I'm interested. Mm-hmm. What made you think, you know what, I need to get out of this takeaway business and do something of my own? I know you said you went into, into teaching. So I'm guessing, mm-hmm. did you leave the industry at the time you went into teaching or were you doing it at the side at the same time as most people would probably do, would do? Yeah. So the takeaway was still running. My family were running that takeaway. Um, we did, um, I think when I started teaching, uh, we sold the, the takeaway, um, because it's, you're right, uh, brother Abel, you're absolutely right. Because, you know, I'm a firm believer in, um, if you, if you want to do something, you commit to it. Yeah. And that commitment may mean leaving a job, you know, it may mean leaving your family business, you know, it may mean selling that business and starting something else. Um, some people can juggle everything. Everybody's different, you know. Um, but in term, for me, I always feel like I have to, I have to almost leave something in order for me to flourish in something else. Because you know, it's it's human nature, isn't it? Survival, you know. When you know you have to find a job, if you have a job, you probably will not find one very quickly. But if you don't have a job, it's survival. I need to find a job. You're gonna find a job. So, um, yeah, I'm a big believer of that. Yeah, no, no, that's good because um, I think, especially with the Asians, it's the courage factor as well. You know, you, you need a lot of courage to let go of something and then start something else new, especially if what you're doing is working for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, on that point of courage, um, you're absolutely right. Uh, even to this day, um, I was speaking to a friend um, the other day. I was like, why can't I have the courage to do this? You know, so, you know, um, with everything you achieve, you always need that courage. But that courage, for me, that courage comes from the deen, right? It comes from Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? It comes from understanding um, your history, the history, Islamic history, and what um, a lot of people in the Islamic history, the Sahabas and the Prophets have done, right? And for me, whenever I try, whenever I uh, need to make a like a very important decision um, that may require uh, a lot of um, investment or money or, or something, or it requires encouragement, um, um, courage, I always do istikhara. So I always ask Allah for guidance, and it's through that istikhara that I feel and I get courage. I feel I really feel it straight away after I've done Istahara. I'm like, that's it, I've done Istahara, Allah's going to guide me. And it comes back to that belief, right? It comes back to, um, when, you know, we, we all b- believe in Allah, we all believe in the prophets. But, you know, when we make dua, we all, you know, we all have this feeling, you know, duas are going to be answered. But it, you have to, it's almost a different mentality. You have to be like, I made dua, Allah's going to make that happen for me. You know, mm-hmm. it's that kind of attitude. It's like I've done istahara, I've asked Allah for guidance. Whatever happens right now, that's Allah's guidance, right? Yeah. And that's that's what I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna you know uh, take forward. And it's that ultimate belief, you know. Um, and I always, I I really want to talk more about that ultimate belief. You know, I I'm not, you know, I, I I'm, I'm not a learned person. I don't have a lot of knowledge in Islam. But, you know, I really feel that, you know, even the, you know, even the tiniest bit of knowledge and information that you have 
um, you know, if you have that ultimate belief, you know, in in what you're doing, in in the belief in Allah, and the belief in the prophets, and the belief in the Quran, and the belief in the day of judgment, and the belief in the afterlife, that is enough, you know, having that ultimate belief, and that you will always be guided. Yeah, no, what you're saying is really beautiful, Brother Kamal. I think the point that you're making for me is, um, like, everybody knows that we need to believe in Allah, we need to believe in the Prophet Wasallam. But believing in itself is one thing, but you have to have trust in that belief. Mm. You can't just say, I believe in Allah, and that's it, you know, I'm not going to do my salah, I'm not going to go to the masjid or whatever. You have that belief, but you also have that trust in Allah, that Allah will carry me forward. And I think mm. when you do businesses, since our topic is the businesses, when you do a business or even work with that kind of mentality, like I remember... Um, uh, this was probably over a decade ago. I made redundant from my position, and I called my teacher up and he said, and I said to him, "Look, you know, make door for me. I've lost my job." And I still remember what he said to me that day. And he said, "You've lost your job, but you haven't lost Allah." Mm. And to this day, you know, whenever anything happens, like you know what, I don't. It doesn't matter what's happened to me, good or bad. The, fa- the fact of the matter is, I've still got Allah behind me to support me. So like you say, you know, you've done your stakhara, you've asked Allah for guidance and blessings, you've then taken the step forward, whatever then happens, it's happening because mm-hmm. it's meant to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which kind of, um, you know, it's a beautiful point there, Brother Kamal. Um, but so going back to your hard safe product then, um, so obviously you've kicked it off and then, you know, you did the um, test run yourself, mashallah. Um, so I'm guessing it became a success after those two weeks, you then created more or? What yeah, you- so I mean, business is a struggle, right? Business doesn't happen overnight. So um, especially when you're in something like um, the Hajj industry. So, you know, it's a very seasonal thing. Yeah, yeah. Even to this day, more, 90% of our sales will happen within a three-month period, um, which is really difficult because what do you do for the rest of the you know, night? So, uh, and it doesn't, it it never, um, at that time, it never really brought in uh, enough income to to have a full-time salary on. So I always worked as a a teacher. Uh, I always had a uh, full-time teaching post or I did supply work. So I did supply work for a number of years. Um, And I just kept Hatchet going. You know, I just kept every year we would. uh, It was because, I mean, the thing for me was when I went to Hajj and when I came back from Hajj, um, I don't know if you um, meet people when they come back from Hajj or you meet people when they go into Hajj, right? And um, and I, I, anybody listening to this, I would really, really highly recommend, you know, going and visiting people going to Hajj and visiting people when they come back from Hajj. Yeah, it's amazing, honestly, their persona, you know, um, their personality, the vibe, you know, they come back with some special spiritual away- awakening. Um, and I wanted to be in that environment. I just wanted to keep myself in that environment. And through HatchSafe, I did that. For HatchSafe, I was meeting uh, people going for Hatch. Um, we had people in front of the Kaaba and they, you know, I always tell people, you know, please remember me in your duas. And, and, the the thing I say is when you're in front of the Kaaba, make a dua for me. You know, I always say that. Um, all the people who buy the hashtag products and, and, and things like that. And um, and I've received pictures from people in front of the Kaaba, like brother, I'm in front of the Kaaba. I've got your bag on me, and I'm making dua for you. 
And this is priceless, right? I mean, you can't, you know, you can't buy this. And um, it just kept me involved in that the spirit of Hajj. And I, to this day, I, w- I will not let it go. Inshallah, even if it makes me no money, I want to be involved in that because, you know, why do you, why, why do I do something? You know, and um, and I've never done it for money. I've never done something because oh, I'm going to become a millionaire or I'm going to. I've always done it because it's going to help somebody. Or it's going to help me in my dean and um, in in what I'm trying to attain. And what I'm trying to attain, uh, quite simply, is Jannah. You know, Jannah the Firdos would be amazing, right? But you know, any level of Jannah for me, alhamdulillah, is is enough. And for, for me, those things, you know, um, you know, we all sin daily. But if somebody's making dua for you in in, in Mecca, hopefully, one of those sins will be gone. And you know we just continue doing what we can for me, you know, praying and helping people and supporting people. Um, and I think what you ever mattered, how much money had to save me. Yeah. I think, I think that point that you made there, but that's again, something really beautiful because, you know, a lot of people, they go to work nine to five jobs. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about people setting up their own business, just daily people working their own, um, own jobs and etc. But the thing is, like, um, I just came across a young person in the masjid uh, two years ago, actually. And he was, he just recently joined a company. And he's like, how do you do it? How do you work, you know, nine to five and not get sick of the job? Then I guess as, for me, the thing is, the motivating factor isn't the money. The motivating factor isn't the actual work itself. It's the deen. You know, the, what you are getting out of the, the out of your hajj safe product, the amount of doors, you know, that's something that you physically can't see unless people contact you and say, you know, brother, come on, remembering you. But just thinking about the afterlife, you know, mm-hmm. when you're going to see all those doors coming to fruition in front of you, you're going to be like, this was worth it. And I think that is, like, for me, one of the best motivating things to keep a person going. You know, mm-hmm. come rain, snow, windy weather, whatever, you just keep on going because you're not doing it for the sake of the world. You're doing it for mm-hmm. the sake of the dunya. And that is probably the, one of the best motivations to keep keep on carrying on. Um, and Abu, that can that can be achieved. You know, I'm so fortunate what I'm doing, but that can be achieved in in anything that you do, right? It's about the intention that you have. You have, you know, when I was teaching, you know, the, my intention was I'm helping these kids. You know, hopefully giving them a better representation of what a Muslim is, and also you know teaching somebody some some knowledge that they can use for better uh to better themselves right and it can be achieved uh with any any position uh i, I feel that as long as your intentions the intentions that you it's so simple to think of like doctors but if but you can become a doctor and not have the intention of you know um having that intention that i'm saving a life and therefore Allah's going to reward me you could yeah. just be like oh, i want to become a doctor because i'm going to get you know the title of doctor right and you know we you know it's making sure that intention is is always you know is always right yeah. and i'm doing it constantly i'm always constantly even checking myself now um because you could you could attain a level of success and be like you know oh i've you know i want this now and go into all sorts of things that actually they don't they're not the right intention yeah you know? Yeah, yeah. Just um, 
to take a step back for the Kamal, um, this is a question I think some of our non-Muslim listeners might ask. You're a fantastic product designer, right? You've got mashallah, and there's a lot of people in the Muslim Ummah to this day where they've got skills that they can utilize, but they always seem to just utilize it in the nine to five or to do something away from the deen. Um, so, for example, you know, say if you're a fantastic graphic designer, they'll design posters, marketing material, collateral for other big companies, and they never think, oh, I can use these skills. And like you said, attach the attention to it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to help the Muslim Ummah, there's, there's so many people in different um, fields where they're not using it to better the Muslims. And it seems like you've always had this idea of service towards Muslims and um, through all your products, uh, it seems, and all the businesses you run. So just to take a step back, why did you not go down the route of I could work for, like you mentioned before, with the bags, you didn't have to work for, you know, Conscious 7, you could have worked for North Face or Burghouse. Why did you go down the Muslim route, even knowing that there isn't the money there? Yeah, it's a really good question. And, um, you know, I I have worked, um, I wouldn't call it nine to five, it was more like nine till 10, <laughs> you know, in the design industry, it, it never stops. Um, I worked for a company, uh, I'm still uh, actually, um, they ended up by uh, licensing one of my brands. Uh, but I, I, uh, I worked uh, with a company in Hong Kong um, and um, it's very exciting. You know, it's the big, large companies. Uh, you travel a lot. Um, you know, you meet lots of different people. You go to events. But it, for me, it wasn't fulfilling, you know. Um, for me, I think everybody's different, obviously. But I always had a lot, you know, I always have this... Um, uh, I don't know, like a like a, like a calling, and I always um, when I get unhappy in a, in a situation, um, I always check myself, like why am I unhappy? It's, it affects my mental men, mentally and physically, um, you know, headaches and things like that. And also that fulfillment element was was never there. I mean, I work fifteen twenty hours sometimes in my salama, you know. Um, and it doesn't feel, you know, it doesn't feel like I'm working that long, you know. Um, it's really strange. Um, I the the question was why why didn't I continue those? I would say the answers would be I, I didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't feel fulfilled in those environments. Um, uh, money can money will will only go so far, right? Um, and um, I I'm always conscious of the hereafter like i think that's probably the thing right i'm always conscious of the hereafter even to now especially now i'm always conscious um as i get older as well, <laughs> but i'm always conscious of the hereafter right and what is it that we're going to do with this the talents and the skills allah has given us that will give us reward even after we leave right and this world and be a weight, be be a heavy weight on the day of judgment, you know. And for me, um, I feel uh, educating the youth, uh, educating the young, um, helping um, the guests of Allah, right? Helping the guests of Allah, you know, transport their items and belongings throughout the journey of Hajj, you know, um, is a really um, you know, it's a really um, special position to be in. And um, I didn't want to give that up. It doesn't didn't matter. I put my own money in, you know, not my own money, obviously. Allah, Allah gave me the strength and the money and everything. And I um, 
I wanted to do that. I wanted to go down that path. And uh, just before we go on to my salama, you know, you made it sound very easy before. I got a prototype made, and uh, I've seen you do something similar on a, another podcast, and you just make it sound like it's already done. Um, and they say like being an entrepreneur is like jumping out of a of a plane and making your parachute as you go down. And you know, somehow, like you said, you just gotta have that yakin and the line, that that faith that that it will happen. So um, for people out there, and uh, there's a lot of brothers, you know, even within our family, we can say mama is a. Uh, They've got ideas, fantastic ideas, amazing ideas, but it seems to be that they just don't want to make that jump. Like if someone tells me they've got an idea and I'm like, right, have you looked at prototypes? Have you gone to a warehouse? It's as simple as to me going to a factory and making that, that first step. So for you, why do you think it's so easy for you to think, right, it's done now? Like I know you mentioned the Akeen and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but in terms of a business perspective, um, once you've made that idea, why is it so easy for you to make that jump and you think other people sometimes don't do that? Um definitely i i i i i hold my hands up i i probably have made it sound too easy and you know it's you know you have to sometimes jump in you're right you have to sometimes take that leap of faith and you have to just do it but it's it's more like for me my journeys have been more like marathons it hasn't been a i i've been knitting on a marathon i would explain it like that actually because literally every little Thing, everything that I have done has taken me a long period of time. So Hatch Safe, from idea to sample, two years, right? I do remember it quite clearly, easily two years, and probably longer till production. My Salama, minimum two years. From idea to, to final production, two years. Um, even the adult um, prayer mat that we did, from idea to actual final production, two years. And... Uh, first of all, because life, obviously, you're working full time, family, you know, and things like that. Um, but what you have to do is when you start that journey, I mean, for, for anybody really listening, when you start that journey, you have to look at it like a marathon. And it's a marathon that I didn't even jog. I probably walked it. And um, sometimes I jogged parts of it. Sometimes I ran parts of it. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's slow steps and you have to be in it for the long journey. And I think um, for me, uh, I do have tunnel vision sometimes. So I will focus on something and I will just go for that. And I will just, I will not stop, stop until I get to the end of that tunnel. And um, all the other things that come, come at me, um, you know, I'm not, it doesn't disturb me as much. I'm, I'm that, I'm focused. Um also comes down to how much you really believe in it you know it's 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 a personal it's a personal um um how would i say it's, it's a personal journey and um you have to uh really believe in in your idea in order to go go forward but what happens when you make those make those journeys you do stahara you ask guidance and you ask a lot of guidance and what happens then is you take that one step one step one step two three four five and then what you find is you come to a point where you're struggling and then because you've got all of those steps behind you you almost don't want to give up then you keep going and then you find a way and you find a solution and then you know ask somebody and somebody helps you and you know it you just keep going yeah yeah and sorry well, the uh, the marathon of my salama started with your son is that right uh, brother Kamal? That's right. Yeah, so if, I mean, for people that haven't heard the story of, you know, your eureka moment, I guess, um, into my salama, uh, could you just give us a bit of background about that, inshallah? Um, okay, so um, 
it's I mean for me it's it's quite it's quite beautiful to be honest um because I've always been on a journey of Salah right so I've I've always been on my own personal journey of Salah and um I remember the day very you know I remember the moment very clearly and oh my god it's so strange I'm talking to you about this now and it's just come to me my my experience was um re um vision like re saw my experience within um within the mosque with that friend of mine that I made and his son <laughs> oh my god subhanallah it's so strange so funny i mean i saw i was praying and my son he's about two and a half three at that time and he was joining me in prayer he just joined me and we're going into sujood and i see in the corner of my eye he's struggling to do sujood he just placing his hands forward and is you know lying flat and for him that was sujood and after the prayer i was like no put your hands here put your nose here put your knees here and i was just trying to trying to show him the correct way of doing sujood i realized um you know pondering upon this on this moment um a few hours later while i had my laptop open um i realized that i wanted to get him something that would teach him salah and make salah enjoyable for him and the positions and being a product designer in my head i already know what i want i want a prayer mat that has handprints and feet prints and nose and knees and he would know exactly where to put his hand head and nose and knees together and um i looked online and looked on amazon looked on ebay looked on just general search looked on lots of islamic websites nothing available i'm a bit gobsmacked at this moment and like why isn't there something for kids um to to learn from and um so i opened up my laptop i started designing uh, this prayer mat initially it was just a prayer mat that would have a print on it um and i got that made pretty quickly i got it designed designed there got um got it ref- um, refined got it to the uh, manufacturers got that uh, got a sample made there was just a print and the print had words that you would say within salah so takbir and um sujood and uh, what you say in ruku from those kind of things and then i realized that these things these effectively buttons that i put around the side you could push them and hear the the sound and that would be even more interactive so my second stage of product development started and i started including sensors and i um i started including voice and then i got it translated initially into seven languages then into 11 then 15 now 20 alhamdulillah so um and then i rem- and then that same vision that i had that that same experience that i had with my son i was in the mosque and my friend was praying with his son and i saw his son do exactly what my son did and i recorded it actually i, I was like i was i'm recording this because at some point i'm going to have to talk about this um so yeah it's amazing actually that same friend that i met I feel like we should have got your friend on the podcast as well Yeah yeah definitely <laughs> I mean to be honest he's got some stories to tell um we've been on some journeys together alhamdulillah that's good friend to have um after been to the brother come you know we're talking about these businesses and you know mashallah they sound like they've been very successful has there been a point in your journey where you've thought you know what I can't do it anymore I need to pack it in if you have what's kept you going or what is keeping you going um I think I mean lots of times lots of experiences where um things have been really difficult um 
And um, I've had low moments. I don't think I've had any moments where um, I think I've had moments where I felt like uh, I just wouldn't mind just having a, a, an easier life, maybe a nine to five or something um, that I don't have to think about constantly. Um, but um, I guess uh, the the first moment that um, would would have been when when everything is ready. My whole production, um, not production, but my whole prototype sample, everything's ready. And I need to tell, I need to say to the manufacturer, go ahead and make the production. But before I do that, I need to pay the manufacturer a deposit. And then I got an invoice for the full amount. And it was in excess of like $40,000. And I'm like, wow, that's like, what am I going to do? You know, I'm just at that point, um, I'm not even a teacher because I've left teaching. So, um, and um, I'm sat in the room and I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, what, 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 what am I going to do? And I, the thought came to my mind, you know, leave it. You know, it's it's fine. You know, I can just carry on doing what I'm doing. It's fine. I don't need to invest all this money. And um, then the thought came into my head. Um, this is Salah and it's helped because I had the prototype and it's helped my son and it could help um, so many more kids. And it's almost similar to what I had when I was doing Hajj saves. You know, I was like, I used it during Hajj and it was so useful for me and it could help so many people, other people going to Hajj, guests of Allah. And this yeah. time it was, this could help children learn how to pray. And the thought did come into my mind that, you know, that, Every time a child prays, you know, inshallah, I'm going to, you know, there's going to be reward, you know, sadaqah jariya, you know, of somebody praying and being a continuous praying and praying for the rest of their lives, hopefully. And I thought, you know, that's enough for me. I thought that, that, that's the reason why I want to do, I want to carry, I want to carry on and I want to do this. I'm going to put my money in. Um, and then you put your head on and you get creative. And I then, instead of making the full production, I made half a production. Okay. So I reduced my costs. Uh, I had to negotiate heavily with the with the company, but I had to still buy the materials for the full production. But that was a loss that I was willing to take because it wasn't as much as made creating the whole production. And then, um, then I uh, used my life savings and I borrowed money from friends and family. And then I opened. Once I knew the product was on the on course, it was on the ship, it was coming to us, then I opened up pre-orders. And then, alhamdulillah, you know, uh, blessings of Allah, people absolutely loved the idea. So I kept it very quiet until then. People absolutely loved the idea. They bought it straight away, even knowing that it's going to take the, you know, they're not going to receive it for a month or longer. They still bought it. And I had then enough revenue to pay the factory and continue on with the manufacturing. That was a really low moment, but um, it was a really difficult decision to make, a really difficult moment for me. Um, but I guess, again, I turned to Islam, I turned to my deen, I turned to you know, what it could mean for me in terms of um, my next life. And that's, that's what made the decision uh, easy, I guess. Earlier at the beginning of the postcard, you mentioned um, you lost your father. Mm. So was that, did you lose your father whilst in this journey as well so i guess i'm getting so, okay. i would love to have loved to have my father seen this my father yeah. 
has no idea of this. Yeah. I love of him uh, of um, seeing what I yeah. because he saw so many other things that I guess didn't really um, take off, right? And um, he saw he saw uh, the starting of Hajj Safe, the real start, the real beginning of Hajj Safe, um, and then um, and then sadly he passed away. Um, um, but you know those experiences. Uh, make you hope you know definitely for me make you realize that you know we're not here forever of course yeah so um a question from me then so if anyone of the uh, any of our listeners are thinking of doing their own businesses what would be the process of going about um to actually setting up a business and making it run like you know something like, like an idea you've come up with because i'm guessing there must be millions of ideas out there people just not like gian says don't have the courage to do it so How would that um, yeah um i would say um if you have an idea research right so say you want to make something from scratch uh, research into it um say you want to write a book research if that storyline has already been written or research into the product if that product has already been done or not even if it has been done maybe yours is a different angle so yeah. understand why yours is going to be different to others and why it's going to stand out you have to you have to you know you have with all the um you know with all the kind of goodwill you know goodwill and you know you want to do it for the dean and and stuff you still have to be smart about things right you still have to research and do your groundwork um and then i'd say um it's really difficult to comment because without knowing exactly what it is but i would say if it's something that really excites you something that makes you feel um something that you can work on day and night something that you've been researching and developing and it doesn't feel like extra work to you and doesn't make you tired doesn't make you you know feel feel like um stressed then yeah definitely continue developing it so if it's a book continue writing the book show uh other authors and companies you can get uh, you can sign an nda you know a non disclosure form and then be happily show them because they can't then take your ideas um and then um get the feedback from 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 those people but i would always say uh especially in the muslim industry um i would always say don't do it because you think it's going to become like um a full time income for you or because you think you're going to make lots of money from it it's going to be a massive struggle i mean i did hatch say for about um so 2011 um and then 2016 um at 2018 when i launched so uh 7 years so i did hatch say for about 7 years uh without taking an in- without really taking an income we took i took expenses but without really taking an income i worked full time um and then when we um launched my salama it was almost like my had safe and my salama together and my salama really took off and then i was able to t- go full time into it and take a full time job and take an income from it um and that's where i am right now alhamdulillah so um so it was for many years you know I did it because for the love of it and not for uh what it, but 
if you keep that you know intention that one day it's going to become my full-time job one day i'm gonna you know be able to take a full-time income from it then it will happen it will like you have to have that just out of interest going back to the takeaway um life you know um i don't know about newport but um for my locality it's very common if you open a takeaway or a restaurant that becomes really successful out of jealousy you know somebody else would open next door thinking they're going to make you know the same kind of money as well so i guess have you come across people jealous of your products or trying to copy it um, yeah yeah unfortunately with um the my salama um it was actually uh, when you asked me about my um lowest point uh, this was one of my lowest points okay. um i uh, i remember very clearly actually um um uh so i it was it was going back i can't remember when 2019 i think or it was wasn't very long after actually um but um we went viral in the middle east right super viral um it was really strange how it happened there was a whatsapp some some woman um who's kuwaiti living in london made a video on her whatsapp status talking in arabic and she was really talking passionately really 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 fast and showed her son going into sujood posted it on her store, uh, on her whatsapp status that got copied and shared amongst the whole of the gulf region saudi arabia kuwait qatar uae and then me and my friend check this out you're going to laugh at this me and my friend the friend that i met when i first got to newport were going to a cricket match to watch bangladesh play the west indies it's my first cricket match ever and um, i'm at this cricket match and my phone is blowing up and i can't even access my whatsapp i can't even access my uh, my my um, emails i'm like why can't i access it maybe the internet's really bad um bangladesh won that day actually so me and my friend are like really really happy we're driving back and all i notice is like order like ching 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 order after order after order after order on our website um whatever products we had we sold hundreds of products in those 24 hours i had to then like go sold out um but we went super viral and i think it's at that time that they realized oh my god this is an amazing product somebody sorry and wanted to not contact me wanted to just copy it sent it off to a factory in china and they copied it and then i remember um it wasn't long it wasn't long after maybe a few months after they did it really fast because all they needed to do is copy the voice and they copied everything the logo the design everything because we now were viral in with my salama brand and um alhamdulillah you know the brand really stood out um and then um I remember now Christmas it was Christmas day right it was Christmas day and you know what it's like in the UK on Christmas day we're all off right everybody's got a day off and as Muslims we get together as a family and we have a a nice meal together right um sorry then watching east enders yeah right <laughs> and um yeah we're watching TV kids running around and i remember that day um i um the night before I cooked um I cooked I I I made made like a a really nice leg of lamb actually and um we were taking that over um um so we we alternate uh, where we spend christmas so we're taking over that that over to my family's house and 
I remember that morning, I woke up like really early in the morning because I needed to get that cooking done. And I went on Amazon. I remember seeing the fake version on Amazon. And I remember trying to report them on Amazon. And they kept getting denied and denied and denied. And then I was then at my family's house. And my uh, one of my family members was like, what's wrong? And I was like, oh, I was like, you know, and I had like, you know, you get like really choky feeling in your throat. I had like this, I couldn't talk. I wasn't crying, you know, I didn't get to that level. Um, but I had like really like, you know, I could feel my voice, my throat going and I didn't want to talk and I was a bit, I was really upset. And I was thinking to, my, to myself, like, here I am, how do I go up against this Goliath of Amazon to get them off? Because I haven't got a clue what to do. Um, and I, I don't know what happened, to be honest. I don't know exactly what happened. But I always get my answers in Sujood and in Salah. And I remember asking Allah, you know, asking, saying, talking to Allah and saying, Allah, please help me and, and guide me. And I remember then, 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 then something Amazon was telling me made sense all of a sudden. So then I realized, actually, I need to get the trademark for the UAE. And it's, that's when Amazon will not be able to, every trademark needs to be registered in each country. Um, and the, to get that trademark, bro, you won't understand how much I paid to get that trademark. In the UK, to get a trademark is £165. It might have gone up now. You can do an online application. You pretty much get that trademark within six months. In the UAE, I had to get a solicitor. That solicitor sent me a power attorney. It was a piece of paper. I had to get that notarized. I didn't know what notary meant until then. I had to get that notarized. That notarized had to go to the um, Foreign Commonwealth Office. Then they went from the Foreign Commonwealth Office to the embassy, the UAE embassy in the UK. They stamp it. That whole process cost me £700 for a piece of paper before I, I, I'm even going to get that trademark. Am I going to get that trademark? So I send it off to UAE, like Express DHL. They then go through that process. In the end, I ended up paying something like $4,000 for that trademark. My friend at that time, a different friend at that time, said to me, why are you paying so much money? Just buy more products and sell more products. And I said, I could do that, but I, I know I had a feeling. I know I need to protect my, my brand, my, my trademark. I need to protect it because that's worth more. From Humble was probably the best thing I did. Because as soon as I had that, I could stop anyone from selling my brand in the UAE um, forever, you know, yeah. at least for 10 years. I think it's registered for 10 years. So probably the best thing I did, I protected my company in the UAE. I stopped hundreds and hundreds of companies. Even to this day, I'm still stopping them now. Um, but I was only able to do that because of the blessings of Allah, of going viral and making that much money. So I was able to then reinvest that money into the business um, and um, get the trademarks and things like that. So sounds like, sounds like quite a bit of a struggle. Um, I'd like you to name this friend of yours. Ahmed <laughs> And uh, alhamdulillah, uh, we've been friends for over 30 years now. So alhamdulillah. Shout out to the brother. Inshallah, next time we have you, you know, we'll have the brother on as well. Definitely, 100%. 100%. He'd love to, he'd, I'm sure he'd love to come on. Um, he's pretty much joined me on all, all of these journeys and stuff. So uh, coming on here, be an be a honor for him. My, uh, sorry, well, I've got a question that actually relates to that, which is as the business is growing, uh, obviously you have to be become an effective leader in, in many aspects that 
it's not just about the product anymore. It's about sales, about accounting, it's about marketing, it's about X, Y, Z. And obviously you have to, you know, have your finger in all the pies, I guess. But what do you look for for people? What's your non-negotiables, I'd say, in business? So whether it's your friend or someone that works for you or even values you hold yourself accountable to, possibly like, for example, three things that you'd say you have to have, otherwise it's not for you. Yeah, good, really good question. Um, and I think I've always struggled with this because um, the first thing that I look for in people, and it's really hard to, to, to see this, you have to experience it and you can only experience it once you've employed them, is trust. Like for me, like trust is the most important thing. And um, you, for me, like making mistakes is, is fine, you know, as long as you learn from those mistakes, right? But if you make a mistake and you lie about it, then it could, it'll create more problems and more issues. So I always say to people, like, don't lie about you. If you make a mistake, just say, say it. So trust is really important. Um, for, as a small business, I've got all of my passwords are everywhere. Uh, how much the company is making is Read, you know, it's information for everybody. Where those orders are coming from, who those big clients are, is available for everybody to see. So, for me, for somebody coming involved to get involved in the company, is trust is really important because um, they're going to see everything, and I need to feel that I trust them. Um, trust them to turn up on time. Trust them to tell me when they're late. When I'm not here and they turn up late, tr- trust that they're going to be telling me, "Oh, I turned up late. I'll make those hours back or make that time back." Um, so trust is really important for me. Uh, I'd say um, they like having a skill is is definitely good. But for me, skills can be learned, right? So you can learn how to use Excel. You can learn how to um, write an email. You can learn how to talk to somebody as a, you know in sales. Um, but what you can't teach somebody is um, is to put their energy and their kind of um, enthusiasm into stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, that's probably a number two is so trust, enthusiasm. I, I, I want to see enthusiasm. I want them to um, say to me, oh, I, I, you know, why can't, can we try this? Can we do this? Can we do that? Um, those, those kind of things are really important. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what the third one would be, to be honest. I mean, I, um, <laughs> there's lots to choose from, right? So, um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't want to choose one. I'd say there's, there are lots of number threes, lots of little things like, um, um, I guess, um, having skills in, 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 in things that they're doing, um, I guess, um, um, I can't think right now. <laughs> oh, nice, yeah, stop putting our guests on the spot, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, Brother Kamal, I don't have any questions. Um, it looks like Jihan's out of his questions as well. But I just want to say it's been a pleasure having you on and, you know, um, being part, having a, getting an insight into your journey of doing business. Um, you know, it's been very um, um, inspiring, I would say. Um, I've always had, you know, like Jihan hinted before, I've always had ideas or let's do this, let's do that, but just never had the time or the courage. Or, but I think this is a good step, you know, for me to talking to people that are actually doing it and seeing them and seeing the real raw version of, it's not just like, I'm going to have a, a, an idea and it's going to become a success overnight. You know, there's a lot of pain and struggle behind and um, a lot of reliance on Allah as well. Um, but no, it's a lot for your time. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you've got any last comments you want to make. <laughs> uh, I'd just like to say, you know, thank you for inviting me. 
Uh, I think what your brothers are doing is beautiful. Um, you know, talking to um, normal people, talking to business owners, um, you know, um, making it accessible for other people to listen to um, the stories of, um, you know, Muslims of today, isn't it? You know, it's important what are Muslims doing around the world today. And I, I make dua for you guys. I wish you all the, all the success in this world and, and, and the hereafter. Um, because, you know, you're, you don't know who is inspired by this. And you guys have said it yeah. No, you don't know. And and like you said earlier, you know, you don't I don't know who's making dua for me in, in front of the car but until the day of judgment, right? And same for you guys. You don't know who's watching or listening to this program and getting inspired and setting something up that is then gain then gaining them reward for, for the next life and you guys as well in in in, in, uh, in at the same time. The beauty of Islam is everything is forever isn't it of course yeah in reward right and it's for everybody and in but in abundance right it's amazing i do have a request from you though uh-huh. so you know you were saying before when you were selling your hard safe products one of the, your conditions well, not, not conditions but i'm just saying conditions is that the person buying the product has to make dua for you from now on will you remember to ask them to make dua for dean talk as well you don't have to remember us by name but uh-huh. from dean talk Definitely. Whoever I speak to, when I speak to them, I'll think I'll I'll mention them. Mashallah, Zakla. Um, just to our listeners on um, Mixler, Zakla for tuning in and listening. I hope this was as inspiring as it was for me. Um, we'll close the session on Mixler now, but for the community, stay on, please.